welcome to Pale Blue Pod, the astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but want to be its friend. Yes, it's true. I'm so happy to be here today. I'm Corinne Camuto, a writer, a friend of the universe, a friend to Moya, friend to you. You are, hey friend. <laughs> um, I am Dr. Moya McTeer. I'm an astrophysicist and a folklorist and yeah, friend to the universe, mm-hmm. friend to you all. Yeah. Uh, um, today we are, uh, I feel very at peace where we are right now. <laughs> Um, we are sitting on the banks of a bubbling mountain stream. We um, sure are. I, I am dipping my toes in in very quick bursts because it is cold, cold. but is. very refreshing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, yeah. There there was an alert last weekend in Maine for like if it, like the first beautiful day. They were like, you can go to the beach, but remember, you might experience like intense shock in going into the ocean. So be careful because you could pass out. So the water is still cold, everybody. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You got to remember the the temperature of the air, not indicative of the temperature of the water. Yeah, exactly. And that's there are two reasons for that. One, the the ocean, which is the water you would be Mm -hmm. next to. um, It's very big. But also water has a higher heat capacity than air. So it stores heat for longer and it takes longer to heat it up. Yeah. That's also why like. If you are in a in a pool that's like 70 degrees, it feels very different. It's like colder yes. than air at 70 yes. degrees. And it takes a long time to heat up a pool. It does. <laughs> High heat capacity. We should have talked about this in the water episode, but that's not that's not what this Do episode over. today is. <laughs> that is not what we're here for. Today, we are going to be reviewing the movie Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. What a title. What a title, what a film. (laughs) It was an experience. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, We're gonna, so we're gonna um, summarize the movie. We're gonna Mm -hmm. say what we loved and what we didn't about it. And then we're going to uh, rate it on our very serious rubric system. Um, We we change like, it's, you know, out of 15 stars or whatever but i think because this is uh the city of a thousand planets maybe we rate it out of planets i love that okay yes. great okay cool then uh then let's get going because it's a okay. long ass movie let's so i think we in. need to yeah it is a long movie it is streaming on prime i want to say is how i watched it so mm-hmm. definitely if you don't want this spoiled go watch it now on prime and if you are comfortable getting it spoiled let's go <laughs> so this movie is written and directed by Luc Besson, and I I must be pronouncing that wrong. He is French, and that is a hard language for me mm-hmm. to pronounce. Um, but he also wrote and directed The Fifth Element, which you may be familiar with. I love The Fifth Element. I actually have not seen The Fifth El- Element. Ah! <laughs> so this was all. This was my introduction to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, then um, at some point we will be watching the film. Watch that. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Um, but the story of, of Valerian is based on a French science fiction comic series called mm. Valerian and Laureline. Um, and Besson independently financed and personally funded this movie. What? Isn't that crazy? This movie had a budget of around $223 million. What? I can't and he imagine. Personally financed it. Oh he my personally, god! I mean, he might have had like like financiers, like people who gave him money to do it, but he did not make it in tandem with a production company, which 
Like if you're unfamiliar is a very unusual way of doing things. Usually when you personally finance a movie, it is an indie film. It mm -hmm. is like a lower budget movie. It might be a little more artistic. It might be more niche. This movie to me has broad appeal. So I'm kind of shocked that it was independently produced. Yeah. My running theory is that maybe he didn't want to make it under any network and then get notes from them. Like he really had a vision for what he wanted this to be. So he wanted mm. to make it on his own and sell it later, um, which I know artists can, can sympathize with. Yeah. Um, but it came out in July, 2017. Mixed reviews from critics. Seems like everyone though did praise the visuals, which are notable. Yes. Um, it grossed 225 million worldwide, but due to its high production and advertising costs, it was considered a box office flop. Oh. And when you Google the movie, you know how like Google sometimes preview questions that other people have Googled? Yeah. It was like, one of them was, is Valerian a flop? <laughs> like, it made me laugh. Oh my, imagine your movie makes $225 million and it's, and it's still uh, like a net loss. I know. It's kind of depressing. Okay. I'll give you... As quick a summary as I can, it, it is a movie that's over two hours long, um, but not as long as like Marvel stuff. So mm -hmm. not so bad. This movie is takes place in the 28th century. It opens with like a montage type sequence showing ambassadors slash astronauts of the U.S. They're up in the International Space Station. More and more extraterrestrial beings come yeah. on board and like join their little ship so it's imagine like a lego thing in space where like more ships keep attaching and like you keep meeting more aliens did you um, get the sense that it was them like after they had added stuff onto the international space station because even at the beginning in that montage like it's still huge like it is way bigger than our iss it is way bigger than our iss and i, I think canonically it is the ISS that grows but okay. I know like literally that can't happen for the ISS <laughs> so that is one of my I wrote Moya please confirm if this is possible and it's because <laughs> so it's the former ISS it's expanding with all these new species and new attachments and then it gets so big in mass that it threatens <laughs> yes. It threatens to cause gravitational disruption to the Earth itself. So they move this thing, the spaceship slash floating city slash floating planet, I guess, um, to deep space. It's now called Alpha and it lives in deep space and it is still moving. It's still like traveling through space, but they moved it to a place where it won't, I guess, bother other planets. And mm -hmm. I just don't think that is possible, that we can create a spaceship that has more mass than Earth. That it no, would, not like, us. Not so, us, but like it, it, I mean... But a thousand, a thousand planets, maybe. Yeah, with the help of, of thousands of alien species, I, th I think that, that is Why not? doable. Um, very, like, I don't know, presumptive of us to, to think <laughs> that uh, the alien species would all gather here and add on to our exactly. ISS, but okay. Exactly. <laughs> that is what I'm thinking, too. Also, all of the aliens we meet, and we'll get... In, into this in one of my peeves like look like people girl like, you know that's one of my peeves <laughs> okay good i'm so glad okay we'll get to it 
<laughs> so um, this now, this alpha planet, we'll just call it alpha, is now inhabited by millions of species from thousands of planets. And in a depressing twist, we learn that the future does still include police. Mm. And there is this police division created by the United Human Federation, which is like, again, presumptive that humans are at the top of this. Right? <laughs> Not like beings or species or whatever. Mm -mm. So to preserve peace throughout the gap, like it was created to preserve peace supposedly. Um, and then among the staff is Major Valerian and his partner, Sergeant Laureline. And Laureline is played by Cara Delevingne. Valerian oh. is played by, I think his name's Dave. <laughs> I don't know, Dave. I think his name is Dave. Cara Delevingne and I think his name is I don't Dave. Know. <laughs> He's like, had never seen him before. I don't think I've seen him since. I don't mm -hmm. know who this guy. Yeah, Dane. Dane DeHaan. Oh. It's Dane. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so now we're in a totally new sequence. We saw the, like, how the ISS grew. Um, and now we're on this, like, idyllic planet called Mule. M-U-L. There's, like, an umlaut over... So there's this beautiful humanoid species that lives there peacefully. They have little pets. They wake up and greet the day. They're just like thrilled to be alive, it seems. Mm -hmm. They fish for pearls in their idyllic ocean. And these pearls contain enormous amounts of energy. And the people there, you, they're not people, they're species, but they look very much like people. Yeah. Um, and they, they look use, like the Navi from They look uh, exactly Avatar. like Navi. And that's one of the things I want to talk about, too, of like, this budget is huge, but different than <laughs> Avatar and visually not that different from Avatar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so then they have, the, they have these little animals that we later call converters that you can like feed an item to and they'll like duplicate that item times a million. <laughs> so they'll like feed it a pearl and it like poops out more pearls and it's like an endless thing of pearls. <laughs> So they're having this like peaceful day and then suddenly wreckage is coming through the sky. Like mm. it looks like the, you know, meteors are coming down or comets or something, but it's like, you know, ship debris and weapon debris. Like there's some war happening above their planet. Um, and a lot of the people of Mule make it into this like safe discarded spaceship, but there's one princess who's left outside and she has to, you know, look in the eyes of the other people as she dies in this burst of bright color. So sad. It is very sad. And then, boom, Valerian shoots awake. <laughs> and the mule stuff was kind of a dream. Mm -hmm. And he's on this, like, you know, VR beach. And we meet Cara Delevingne and we kind of see their dynamic. Um, and an analysis from Valerian's ship says that he received some signal from across time and space during that dream. All right. He's like the 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 ship's name is Alex, and Alex, Alex says uh, the these brain waves are coming from outside yeah. of your brain. Yeah, I heard that, and I was like, he seems like unfazed in a way that he <laughs> shouldn't be. I right. <laughs> I would have a much bigger reaction to that. Yeah, I would actually be startled. Okay, so but back to his current mission because he is part of this, you know, army, or he's a soldier. He described himself later. Mm. He's um he's retrieving a mule converter which is one of those little animal guys and it's the last of its kind and it's currently in the hands of like this black market dealer and they need it so the government needs it mm -hmm. so side note here he kind of randomly asks Laureline to marry him and she brushes him <gasps> off as yes. I think she should because yes. so far their dynamic is so fucking weird like <laughs> I don't think these people are in love I don't know what's going on it feels like, they, like they've just spent so much time together and they know they're going to spend a lot of time together in yeah. the future because they are work partners and they're mm -hmm. like well I don't, I don't like, see anyone else marry me? Yeah. and she's like you're a playboy like I'm not I'm not 
this isn't what this is. Mm-hmm. She literally like, no. asks the computer to pull up a list of all of the people all he the slept people with, he like their exactly. pictures. <laughs> exactly. Which I wish that is so fun. I love that. <laughs> okay, so Valerian and Laureline travel to this um, odd marketplace that's like a VR thing where you like check in, you wear these glasses, suddenly you see this whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sneak around, they capture the converter, and he secretly steals one of the pearls from Mule. So there's like an adventure that happens there, they make it out alive, but mm-hmm. um, back on the ship, Valerian learns that Mule was destroyed 30 years ago, like 30 years before, um, and all the information about it in the government system is classified, so he can't get access to it. Meanwhile, um, or later, Valerian and Laureline return to Alpha, where the commander Arun, I fill it. I did not even bother to learn his name. Yeah, I didn't learn his name either. (laughs) Um, But he informs them that something odd is happening at the center of Alpha. So there's this, like, highly radioactive spot that's happening in the middle, and troops in the area, like, haven't come back, and the radiation's getting worse. And Laureline and Valerian are assigned to protect this guy during, like, a summit to discuss this radioactive crisis. Mm. And I have a lot of this information of this plot I learned later when I was looking up the summary of it because as I was following, I was having a hard time following. I was going <laughs> it's not the, the easiest. It's to, not the easiest. Yeah, there are a lot of details that they cram in. And I think the last movie we watched... Um, Prospect? Prospects, yes. I was like, P.P. Prospect, I feel like, um, didn't hold our hand much, but I understood everything. And I think this movie really could have held our hand a little bit more Yep. just to keep up with what was going on. Okay, so, well, Laureline and Valerian are like, sure, we'll protect you, but we're going to keep this converter, the little animal guy. Um, we're going to hold on to him for now. And that isn't really the plan, but fine, whatever. Like, let's move on. So, again... The converter is an animal. I kept thinking they were talking about a machine. Right? But Terrible no, it is name. this little, like, hedgehog-type dinosaur guy who can fit in your hand. Um, and he's very cute. And so cute. Laureline cleans him up, and he looks, like, shiny and new again. Why, I don't know how he survived, but whatever. Puts him <laughs> in a little tank with a uranium yeah. bath. And, exactly. And leaves him and there it, for what seems like over a day. Way too long. And I'm like, it looks like you're microwaving him. Yeah. And then when, you, when he comes out, he's like beautiful colors and like happy and i'm like that i've never seen something like that uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay so during the summit the people from mule arrive like shockingly and they kind of incapacitate everybody and kidnap the commander mm-hmm. so Laureline and valerian are in this like goo they have like a special tool that cuts them out of this goo um oh, <laughs> this is a small thing but uh valerian goes to get Laureline out of her like goo cocoon and he yes. just he just cuts it with a knife <gasps> and it feels like he should have scratched her because the goo is very close yes. to her and it's very thin i hated that i was like if i'm cutting someone i love out of goo i'm gonna go for the side yeah i'm gonna go for maybe underneath i'm not gonna go for like directly down the middle of their beautiful face uh-huh Glad anyway, we're in this guy sucks shit, but <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this. I can't wait to get into my peeps. <laughs> so serious adventures happen. Valerian and Laureline are separated. She's kidnapped by this like goofy group called the Bulan Bathers of this of a planet. Right. Um, and they have like funny, they have like a funny personality actually. Like one keeps trying to dress her up, and like she says no. That was one moment I maybe liked in the movie, but then it got weird really quick. So, <laughs> But first, he disappears, and she has to go find him first. 
and then she gets kidnapped and he has to go find right. her. And now it's yeah. a role reversal. She mm-hmm. finds him. She like touches this butterfly and it like pulls her into into the, their land. Um, so Valerian w- needs to sneak into their world to save Laureline, but he can't look like a human. He has to look like one of those aliens. And he is advised that he needs a makeover. Mm. So then he goes to this like kind of seedy underbelly Paradise like, Alley. Paradise Alley. Ethan Hawke is there. He's a pimp. He plays a pimp named Jolly, I think. Yes. <laughs> so he's like, "What do you need?" And he's like, "I need a shapeshifter or something." So yeah, he's like, "I got the best one in town." A glamopod. That was it. And he's like, "I got the best one in town. Come on in." He goes into this like strip club type thing. And guess what? This this was a twist. This was a huge twist and probably the best moment of the movie. Uh-huh. Who's on stage but Rihanna? This fucking Rihanna on stage. She's <laughs> shape-shifting. She's dancing. She's in every beautiful outfit you can imagine. And it is really cool and really out of place. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. <laughs> and it turns out she is this shape-shift. She's a glamopod, which can, like, shape-shift into anything they refer to her often as like an artist. Um, her character's name is Bubble. <laughs> and when Bubble's in their like non-human form, they are this like blue octopus type thing with tentacles. Um, mm-hmm. But Bubble can latch onto Valerian and then whatever shapeshift Bubble wants to do, it will appear like Valerian is that as well. So they yeah. sneak back into this area where Laureline is as one of their aliens and they watch as meals are presented to the emperor of this alien group and with each meal he is he rejects it and then finally Cara Delevingne approaches and you're like oh she's the final course right so this isn't fun anymore now she's gonna be eaten a lot like her they're gonna eat her brain really I mean honestly uh, when she gets kidnapped and she's taken to this paradise alley place uh, my immediate thought was was she is going to be sex trafficked and I'm glad that it went to food trafficked instead of sex trafficked. I completely agree because when they started offering her dresses I was like "Uh uh-uh I don't Mm -hmm. like this I don't like what's going on here and I still didn't like it but it's kind of easier to stomach they're going to eat my brain than I'm going to be trafficked. Right. So Valerian and Bubble rescue Laureline they escape but Bubble dies in the process and this moment to me they were Making this moment, first of all, Rihanna should not have died. No. Second of all, um, they were making it as if, like, Dobby died. As if, like, this character I have <laughs> years of relationship with is dead. And instead, I was like, I just met Bubble. I just met Bubble. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was upset because yeah, of who I you got sad. to play, Bubble. Yeah. Also, because it just seemed like, you know trying to neatly tie off that portion of the story with this character's death so that Valerian didn't have to follow through on his promise to get her uh, like a real ID. I I didn't like it at all. Why couldn't Valerian just be like, call this guy in this town? Like, I have connections around the world. Like, I think Valerian needed to be more like an Indiana Jones Mm. type and instead he was a government employee and regularly is like, the law will have to handle that. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to be like a cowboy, a cool guy who's like, break rules and like Robin Hood I don't know yeah anyway um Valerian and Laureline without bubble venture further into the radioactive area turns out not dangerous not radioactive it's actually the like remains of a antique spacecraft and the people of mule are there okay so 
They are actually called the Pearls, and their emperor explains that his people lived peacefully on Mule until the battle that we witnessed in the beginning occurred between the Federation and some other faction. And the human commander, who we don't really like, ordered the use of fusion missiles that disabled their mothership and sent it crashing into the planet, annihilating Mule, mm-hmm. killing the princess. Um, and as of just before the princess died, she was able to transfer her soul to Valerian's body, which is how he saw that dream. So it's like it travels through time and space to yep. get to Valerian, however many light years away, 30 years later. 30 years later, exactly. Um, so when the surviving pearls were trapped in that down space vehicle after that battle, they managed to repair it. And in repairing it, there's this montage of them learning all of human technology and human history, which I thought was so funny mm-hmm. because we're certainly not leaving like that kind of DNA in the spacecrafts we make, <laughs> although that would be special. Yeah. Um, they eventually found their way to Alpha, where they kind of snuck in, assimilated and like learned more than they knew before and were able to build a ship of their own. So now all they need is a converter slash little animal <laughs> and a pearl to uh, launch their ship and find like a planet to recreate their peaceful world. The commander admits his role in this like genocide, but argues it was necessary for the war. Mm. And Valerian and Laureline have like a brief disagreement over like handing over the converter, handing over the pearl because they're like, our government fucked up, but I think there's like a like a judicial way we can solve this. And I don't think there yeah. is. Just give him the pearl. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, not that hard. Like he he's like the converter is government property. Like oh, your government c- yeah. killed killed all these people. Like they also said that the the pearls people are so evolved that they were able to forgive humans, and now all they want to do is move on. And I'm like, that's a pretty easy out. I don't know about that. That's like a very easy storyline thing of like, oh, they lived long enough and they actually learned so much that they know how to forgive. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, But they hand over the pearl, they hand over the converter, and the pearl's prepared for their spacecraft to take off now that they have all the the things they need. Um, And then these K-Tron robot soldiers, who we've seen like kind of sort of throughout, and we know that they only respond to like the commander's wish. They don't listen to anyone else. They attack the pearls. So there's this, like, one massive, like, battle before it can be over, which these mm-hmm. people have been through enough. Yes. We, as the viewers, have been through have enough been by through this it. point. There are so many mini-adventures in this movie. Yeah. I was so exhausted. But the spacecraft leaves. The commander's arrested. Valerian and Laureline are left adrift aboard, like, their service module. And Valerian proposes one last time. This time with a pearl ring, mm-hmm. one of the pearls from the pearls, and Laureline tells him maybe, and they make out as a Rihanna song plays, and we zoom out into space. <laughs> Great summary, like truly, truly a, a beautiful, concise. One of my more summary. efficient summaries, yeah. I mean, but like for a movie like this, uh, I, I, as I was watching it, I was like, there is no way to explain what the hell is going on (laughs) like you didn't even talk about the whole under like the submarine adventure did not Mm -hmm. oh my god moya i completely forgot about the submarine the jellyfish that they had to get to 
Yeah, that um, I told, and she had to wear it on her head. Uh huh. For no more and than that, a minute. <laughs> for no more than a minute, and I didn't even talk about the three little monkey guys. Oh, we'll talk about the three little Were monkey guys. Were they ducks? I don't know. Uh, like aardvark gargoyles. That's. <laughs> exactly what they were yes. wow i can't believe how much i left out and yet how much i did say i know i know well great job thank you for thank summarizing you. the movie um yeah <laughs> truly like we are there are a lot of spoilers in this episode but i think even with all of the spoilers we have for you you will see extra yes. stuff if you watch there the is movie. more to uncover in the actual film yeah so go for it <laughs> Hey, it's Grin. Welcome to this episode's mid-break. Moya is checking out the babbling stream, so it's a great time to give a shout out to our patrons who support this podcast every single month. Thank you, as always, to our Sunlike stars, Sharn Llewellyn and Finn and Peyton. And you can support us, hear your name on this pod, make it to our patron star chart, all by supporting us on Patreon for just about a dollar per episode. Find the star chart, Patreon info, and more at our website, palebluepod.com, or by going right to patreon.com slash palebluepod. And if you can't support us financially, that's fine. We love you. You are still space. Another great way to support us is to share the show with your friends and leave us a rating and a reviewing. And that is how you say that word. I also want to tell you about Brilliant.org. Are you looking for a fun, no-pressure way to learn math and science? You have to check out Brilliant.org. It's the best way to learn math and science interactively online. Brilliant has thousands of lessons in math, science, and data analysis, and they're adding new ones each month. You can enjoy fun storytelling and guided problem solving while playing. On Brilliant, your natural curiosity will drive you, not the threat of a test. Brilliant doesn't just teach you facts and formulas, they actually develop your intuition for these subjects through interactive gameplay. Their science courses can help you get a deeper understanding of things we talk about a lot here, like electricity and magnetism and special relativity, or you can branch out and take their classes on geometry foundational logic. Whatever you learn on Brilliant, you'll have a fun time doing it. Go to brilliant.org slash palebluepod to get a 30-day free trial, and the first 200 people will get 20% off their annual subscription. And I have a podcast recommendation. Tiny Matters is a science podcast about things small in size, a neurotransmitter, microscopic organism, or maybe an ancient gene that have had a big impact on our world, both good and bad. Tiny Matters is hosted by former scientists turned science communicators, Sam Jones and Deboki Chakravarti. Sam and Deboki interview scientists each week, tracking down answers to questions like, how does our brain form memories? Could we actually terraform Mars one day? Is there a limit to how small we can make computers? Why do some people become lactose intolerant when they get older? And Sam and Deboki know that science doesn't operate in a vacuum. So every Tiny Matters episode is packed with history and real societal impact. A new episode of Tiny Matters drops every other Wednesday. You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. And I have one more podcast recommendation I'm so excited to tell you about called Tell Me About It. Tell Me About It is a new game show podcast from Multitude, all about proving that the things you like are truly interesting. Hosted by Adel Rafai from Hey Riddle Riddle and Hello from the Magic Tavern, along with Multitude's own Eric Silver. Adel plays an eccentric billionaire who has wrangled his audio butler Eric to prove that the single most interesting and coolest thing ever is the movie musical Grease. So in every episode, a guest comes on to share and defend their favorite thing through a series of absurd games and challenges. And Moya and I have both been guests on the show, and I don't want to give anything away, but we did pretty well. Tell Me About It is out now. New episodes every other Thursday, wherever you get your pods. And finally, this is extra, extra important. It's time for Multitude's annual survey. 
This is your chance to give feedback to Multitude as a whole and to each of the shows in the collective that you listen to, like Pale Blue Pod. Tell us how we're doing, where you want us to do live shows, new merch ideas, and all of your deep-seated feelings about podcasting in general. We really want to hear them, but do not tell me to stop giggling because I won't. (laughs) The survey takes about 10 minutes, works great on desktop and mobile, and it ends with the biggest collage of pet photos you've probably ever seen. The results of the survey truly help us chart a path for the future. So go to multitude.production/slash survey right now to fill out the survey. We're only accepting answers until June 9th, so fill it out as soon as you can. That's multitude.productions/slash survey. Or click the link in this episode description. You hear our voices all the time, and now we want to hear yours. Okay, love you. Bye. All right, well, the time has come. Let's do it. Let's get into our peeves. What bothered us about this movie? Corinne, I wanted I wanna know so bad what you what you think. Okay, this movie I watch I didn't tell you this yet. I watched this movie over the last three nights because oh. I started it and then I was like, I can't do any more of this movie right now. <laughs> so I need to move on. I would so love I, to know what were what, what what were the breaking points? Okay. Night one ended with, I think, Bubbles' death. So pretty far in. Yeah. Like over an hour in. Night two ended, I think, in the middle of some battle. Like Mm -hmm. it got shorter every time, the amount (laughs) I was willing to watch. (laughs) And then night three I watched to the end, which is like only 20 minutes. Okay. Um, My first peeve is that, like we said before, we're meeting aliens from a thousand planets. Every one is a human body shape everyone has two arms two legs and shakes hands the shaking hands there was like one where they were like let's do something fun with this one like they spit on each other or something (laughs) but i was like guys there's a thousand planets that we're talking about that are all inhabited and they all look like us Mm -hmm. i don't think so Mm -mm. like that to me is just lazy it is a lack of imagination. It would have yeah. been so easy for them to show like a slithering thing or yes. a floating ball of gas or yes. uh, like so, like you don't have to resort to torso with four limbs and a head. Yes. But that's what they did for every single alien species that every we saw. Every single one. Yeah. And like they're, they look like some are like kind of troll-like or, or fishes or something, but it's like boring it just yeah. wasn't creative in that way yeah if you're gonna give me a, a city of a thousand planets give me some weird looking aliens that don't know about how to shake hands yes like i want to see something i've never seen before yeah. <laughs> use some of your 220 million bucks I to, know. to pay people to think up weird aliens yeah I was thinking in during the movie, I was like, if you had to cut $30 million from this budget so that it like would be profitable, where would that money even come from? Because <laughs> I just didn't know where it was. Right. Just, um, I saw an article that said they did not have a science consultant for this. Okay, that makes sense. Had they used, just like, just give me, give, give me like $20,000. I will make yeah. aliens for I'll you. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, that was really disappointing to me. I yeah. I just thought it maybe because it was based on like this existing IP that it it didn't want to stray too far. But I have no idea. I think I think you can make those creative leaps. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, that's a great peeve to start with. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my first peeve is that um, because they didn't have a science consultant to who actually knew 
how big things are and how long it takes for things to happen, their time and distance scales are super <gasps> off. Oh my god, I so thought off. this too. So I, in the very beginning with the montage explaining how the Alpha Station was made and how it had to move away from Earth, um, I'm pretty sure there was a time code that said 2031 and it was already like a built yes. thing. I was yes. like, that's very optimistic. I saw that too, and I was like, we're not doing that. No, <laughs> no, we we are not going to, to have a, a giant space deadline. station in eight years. <laughs> um, so that that was off. Um, and you don't even need a science consultant, I think, to know that we are not going to have that in 2031. But like, okay, fine. Maybe they're not trying to be realistic uh, or faithful to our current timeline. Sure. But they also fucked up the scale of space. So I um, I don't remember if I heard it in the movie, but I did see it in an article that the Alpha Station supposedly travels 700 million miles to get to its point in deep space where it is away from Earth and can't uh, ruin it with its gravitational pull. Corinne, do you know where 700 million miles away from, the, from us is? I don't. It's, but I feel like it's wrong. It's like... Between Jupiter and Saturn. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like well within the solar system. And they describe it as this super distant yeah. zone of deep space where they're not uh, near to anything yeah. and can't, can't ruin anything. They're in the middle of nowhere. I hated that so much. That, um, I didn't yeah. catch that. And of course you hated that because that is so stupid. <laughs> like, mm, just, just, just pick a bigger number. Just like... Yeah, use light years. I know. I know that they understood light years. Yeah, well, they do understand light years because they like travel, mm -hmm. like they'll make those weird jumps, like in hyperspeed or whatever, like oh. to the next oh, universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's one point after the the scene in the big marketplace where they get the converter back from like the black market. Um, Valerian is on a video call with like a general or, oh my God, or someone the boss. minister his boss yeah yeah who um, rihanna plays briefly in that sequence oh yeah she's like give me your work or whatever <laughs> um that guy and rihanna i think are the only two black people in the movie i think you're right yeah and so valerian's on this call and the the boss guy is like you're 20 minutes late you're supposed to be 19 light years away by now or whatever <laughs> yes and yes. and valerian's like oh, i'll be there in 10 minutes <laughs> i know when he said that i was like what <laughs> but no 700 million miles that's how far okay. alpha goes bad bad okay this this is like a social peeve of mine um they're called the city of a thousand planets we're in the future it's the 28th century unity and peace is like the mission of alpha and yet rihanna's character describes herself as an illegal immigrant which to me is yeah. like we still are dealing with we've created this world where people from 1000 planets live together and yet we've still created these walls of you are a legal person quote unquote and you are not and that makes me so livid it makes me mm. livid here in the world we live in now mm -hmm. And then to to see that we've Im imagined a totally new way of being, and it includes our society's like greatest flaws, we did not have to carry that into the world. And also because we don't actually follow Rihanna's character through any kind of redemption, it's this kind of life of suffering we're made to believe. 
it just is like we didn't need to see this at all Mm -hmm. it could have just been like she loves her life or something else i don't know it just made me really sad and her character was not deserving of its fate Mm -mm. i don't know i just have to think humans would evolve to a place where we don't we don't describe people as illegal and we don't have systems that enforce that illegality or Mm -hmm. anything like it yeah i think it was so american it was very american um i agree completely with your peeve that a lot of the bubble story i think was um not done the way that it should have been yeah but if i'm being super generous here the movie came out in 2017 yeah when um that was a like illegal immigrants were that was a hotter it's a hot topic and so maybe they were trying uh, by like having rihanna someone who is pretty much like universally universally yes exactly deservedly so um play this character who then dies um and like doesn't get the ending that, that she deserves um and then like maybe that was their way of trying to build sympathy for this movement for yeah. this cause i don't know not cool i think th- i, I yeah. think that's a sweet like interpretation of it i do and that could be the intention for sure but, but that yeah. i was like and there was like a ca- implied caste system in the society of alpha 2 and i was like guys we gotta let this go we gotta move on from <laughs> the, what's holding us back here and let alpha be idyllic yeah and of course yeah. it's not no, we can't do that. We have to keep taking our real world problems and put it into our fiction. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. My next peeve. Um, so it's it's also about the, the movement of Alpha. Uh, so they say in that montage at the beginning that the Alpha station, and it's the, the Alpha Intergalactic Space Station, that it travels these 700 million fucking miles. Uh, it, it travels by the Magellan Current. Okay. Named after, and and I quote, the great explorer Magellan. First of all, Magellan Current is not a thing in the Milky Way galaxy. They made that mm-hmm. up. That's fine. Sci-fi makes stuff up in space all the time. Um, so the Magellan Current, not a real thing. Even the idea of like a current in the Milky Way, like similar yeah. to what you would find in a stream or in the ocean, not, not, not a thing. Um, but the, the real issue I take with this is that I would hope that in 400 years, um, well, actually, no, this is 2031, right? So I would hope that uh, they would have understood that Magellan was not a great explorer. Like, we know this now. He didn't finish circumnavigating the globe. It was not all his idea to do that mission. And um, we shouldn't shouldn't name a a big non-existent current after him. Even, um, so right now... There's a discussion among some astronomers to rename the large and small Magellanic clouds. These are small little satellite galaxies that orbit in the the Milky Way's dark matter halo. And people want to rename them because uh, they were named after Magellan, who didn't discover them and didn't finish doing the thing that he famously that he's like famous for doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so some astronomers are like, we should rename them with words from indigenous languages from the Southern hemisphere. Uh, yeah. But then like we would have to choose one language over another and that gets tricky. Uh, so my favorite name that I have seen um, is to rename them the Nebecula, which is <gasps> what they word. used to be called because we can see these galaxies without telescopes. So people were talking about them for thousands of years and mm-hmm. in Latin they were called the Nebeculi. I love that. I wish yeah. they had done that. Yeah. No, but Mm-mm. they didn't. <laughs> of course not. So yeah, that's 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 one of my peeves. 
Okay, this is... This might be... I mean, I did not enjoy this movie, but I had fun <laughs> watching it. Does that make sense? Oh, total sense. <laughs> like, I was, like, I was into it, and as I've said in, like, most episodes, I've recently watched something very bad that I hated, so, like, this is on par for, like, how I spend my nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm unsure if this one is a peeve or a thieve, but... Um, Every character dynamic surprised me. Every interaction that any two people had was never the reaction I was expecting them to have. People were never reacting to each other in a way that I expected or was consistent with how they were the scene before. Uh So it was very... And again, I told Moya this. I might have smoked some weed before, before I watched this. So... Maybe I just am not understanding humans right now, mm-hmm. but I could not get, I, I couldn't quite grasp the dynamic between Laureline and Valerian. I was yeah. like, sometimes it's flirty, sometimes it's snarky. And like, I know that relationships can be like that, especially in like a flirty stage, but I really felt no chemistry between these people. Absolutely none. I agree with you. So every time he was like, marry me, I was like, I think he's having some kind of stroke. <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense <laughs> with how he wants to spend his time or life. Like, the only, the only sweet moment between them is when he's about to go off into the the big market and she, like, kisses him on the cheek before before yes. he runs away. That's it. Everything else, you're, you're totally right. Like, the... Uh, I didn't get the sense that she would ever accept his proposal. I thought no. in her mind, she was just like, you're, you're a fuck boy. I don't care about you. Yes. And also like, there's one scene where she gives a monologue about like what love <gasps> is. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> like It was just so weird. Mm-hmm. It seemed out of place. It seemed yeah. out of character. And yeah, this is, this is one of my peeps. I hate an argument that's like, love is more powerful than everything. I hate oh it. my god, me too. Especially when it feels so unearned. Mm-hmm. That that's interesting. I don't I don't know if that's a peeve or a thief either. Um, but my my overall like review of this, the what I wrote at the top of my notebook mm-hmm. was, it's not what I expected, but once I caught on, everything was utterly predictable. <laughs> And that is true. And it was. (laughs) Like, what you said about the characters' interactions being unpredictable, I agree. But, like, all of the the beats of the movie, like, I knew exactly what was going to happen every Mm -hmm. single time. Yep. Yeah, like, all of these mini-adventures they go on in the name of this grander adventure, it is pretty clear, okay, now you're going to save him, and then she's going to save you, and then you're going to have to do it again, and then it's again. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Another another science based peeve. The fuck is exospace? <laughs> like it's 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 obviously their attempt at explaining faster than light travel because when um in that scene that I mentioned earlier where Valerian says to his boss, like, yeah, we'll be nineteen light years away in like ten minutes, they then say, Prepare to enter exospace and it seems like they, they create this little rift um right. in, in the universe that they go into. And it's it's very reminiscent of what other 
sci-fi franchises have done where they have like a subspace or a hyperspace yes, yes. this like almost dimension outside of the normal fabric of space-time that you can slip into and because it's somehow outside of normal space-time um, you can travel faster than light or like maybe it's a wormhole thing I don't know and that is my peeve they didn't explain it at all except to use this one buzzword that they made up and assumed we would understand of exospace yep. and um, that's how they get around why <laughs> Why? <laughs> and why call it exospace? Yeah. <laughs> we already have. Like, it would have been better. It would have been better if they had used something that other franchises have used before that isn't, right. like, um, I exactly. don't know, copyrighted or something. Like, call it subspace. That's People exactly, know what that is. That's the kind of handholding I needed. Because everything was being redefined in their world, I actually had yeah. no, like, key, like, no maps key to understand what we are always talking about. And, like, mm -hmm. it, it's not completely incomprehensible, but but there's, like, an ease to watching a movie where, like, you don't have to be piecing things together as you're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one more peeve, which is just, in the end, when they're in their spacecraft kissing and we zoom out, that is the, like... Um, I forget what the technical term is, but I've seen it in, like, the, my Space Center days. It's the capsule from, like, an Apollo mission that would orbit the moon. Mm. I just don't think that it is a ship that was created to sustain whatever, wherever the hell they are in space right now. Oh, no. It was like, you guys, you can make some, again, use your imagination and make something super cool. This is the 28th century, and you are using <laughs> a ship from 1969. Yeah, uh, the design was, like, very old and mm -hmm. not in line with the aesthetics of, of all of the other right. technology that they had. I do think, though, that, um, like, that capsule is not meant to actually travel, travel. through space. Exactly. Uh, it's not. I think what happened was the... So they were on the Pearl's ship right. um, when they escaped Alpha at the end. And I think the Pearl's, uh, like, put... Laureline and Valerian, yeah, just like ejected yeah. them in this little capsule and sent like a beacon for someone to right. come get them. Yeah, that makes sense because I I think it is in line with my dream version of this movie where he's this like kind of bad boy who contractor who gets like commissioned by the government when they're stumped or something or when they need something from the black market and he's like their mm -hmm. go to. Um, where he would have this like kind of like a vintage car style thing that he's repaired and made better. Um, but again, that is a version of the movie that this is not. That is completely made up what I've described. And I do think it would be a good movie, but it is certainly not Valerian. Nope, not this one. <laughs> uh, okay, I have a few more peeps, so I'll try to get through them so yeah. we can say some nice things about this movie. Yes. Because there were some nice things. Yes, there were. Um, so Alex, the computer, gives what I think is a very interesting but extremely clunky exposition dump when Valerian and Laureline first arrive at the Alpha Station where they ask for an update. And like, it's unclear how long they've been away from Alpha, but they ask for an update when they get back. And Alex just like gives all the numbers about the Alpha Station. Yes. And, and she's, uh, the computer says, uh, there are this many species from this many planets and the Alpha Station is divided into these zones um, where there's like the under, the submerged part and the, yep. the I don't know, uh, there are like other parts. They would know that. Yep. Like, <laughs> they, They've the, lived this life. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Um, that was purely for the viewer's benefit, and it was clumsy, and I didn't appreciate it. There are better <laughs> ways to do exposition dumps. Yeah, like, I you get always, it. The, the movie opened with an exposition montage. You could have told yeah. us about the different regions of the Alpha Station at the beginning when you were establishing how it works. Like, you don't need it in yeah. the middle of the movie. I'm getting heated. Um, yeah. This movie just had so much that I can totally see why a a writer was like, how the hell are we going to get this across? And it's like, actually, what if you decide to cut half of what you're trying to say and then do things in like a sophisticated way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Corinne, we should have we should have been consulted on this. Uh, I know. All right. My next peeve is (laughs) um, so there's the scene after the pearls uh, break into that little like summit thing yes, and they yes. they kidnap the, the commander the, with the goo cocoons and valerian goes after them to yes. get the commander back and laureline is directing him through the alpha station so that he can get to <gasps> to the ship forgot about that part she says like turn 130 degrees east or whatever. Why are they using cardinal directions on a spaceship that doesn't have a sun and has thousands of other species from thousands of other planets? And doesn't have up or down. Doesn't have up or yeah. down. Like she, yeah, she gave a single direction. There are many layers to this ship. She didn't say anything about what yep. level they were on. That pissed me off. So it was, it was a small thing, but I was like, that's just not how they would manage directions. I also have a question about that, and I don't know if you'll know the answer, but when he bursts through the wall and he's now in the, like, full space of the middle of Alpha, like, he's not technically in any hallway of Alpha. Mm-hmm. Alpha's moving, right? Like, it's not anchored in space in this, like, one spot in the way that, like, Earth would be. Okay. Like, didn't... Wouldn't he have, like, been, like, hit by the ship? No, because he... Um, so this is, like, the... You keep the momentum. Um, the, so he is still in. in he's it? still in the system. Okay. Um, so it's like when you, if you're like st- being very irresponsible and you're standing on top of a moving bus, if you jump, you are going. Oh, to, you're still in line with the bus. Yeah, because you still have the forward momentum that that you had when you were standing on the bus. So he still has the momentum of the ship. If you're being irresponsible. <laughs> It's <laughs> something I do not endorse everyone. Yeah, I just didn't want people to think I was condoning that type of behavior. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, that explains it cuz I was like this was strange to me. Okay. Mhm. Okay. I think my last one cuz we've we've kind of touched on the other ones here. Um there were just a bunch of weird anachronisms. Like there were things that felt like they were pulled directly from our modern earth culture and put into this culture hundreds yeah. of years in the future. Um and the example I have is Laureline has an Ivy League education. Yes. Oh my God, Moya, yes. So I watched this whole movie, God bless my husband, Eli, because he sat with me on all three nights of this movie oh, and wow. watched it. Um, and he was losing his mind over that part. He was like, there is no way we still or should have Ivy League education in the hundreds of years in the future. Why? I completely agree. I was so mad. I was yeah. just like, there's no... And there are other ways to communicate that, like, he's the bad boy and she's the academic girl. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, things like they, they use our modern sign for radioactivity to describe the the radioactive zone. Yeah. Um, there's, just, there's just, like, a lot of weird stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the last of my peeves. Um <laughs> 
Except for the, it was too long. Should have been shorter. Too long. But now we can <laughs> say what we liked. Um, there were some things. Would you like to go first? I will go first, and we have touched on it already multiple times. Okay. But the first thief of my heart is Rihanna. It was yeah. really fun to see her in it, and she really was pretty good. And mm-hmm. she just is so beautiful. She looks so good. She's a shapeshifter, so she's in, like, many different outfits throughout when she is in, like, the Rihanna form. And mm-hmm. I was like, how fucking dare you just be so <laughs> stunning in any in any of this? In any of it. And just, like, there's pole dancing. There's, there's hula hooping. Yeah. At one point, she has, like... A, a long rope and she like yes. twists it around her body like the rope is a yes. hula hoop uh, there at one point she like does a, a a split but in the air so like one foot is on the ground and another foot is up and she like puts the hula hoop down her body yes. and transforms as she's coming <gasps> gorgeous everything that, about that scene is like gorgeous there has to be a significant budget that was simply her the <laughs> costume she has for this sequence yeah she's in like her costumes and her appearance yes Yes. So that was, I really loved seeing that. And I did think the sequence was weird. And I did think that the ur- there was some urgency behind him needing to get back to Laureline ASAP that, that is lost in that scene so that mm-hmm. we can live in the Rihanna of it all. But <laughs> it was really fun to see her. Yeah. Um, when she came on the screen, I just wrote in giant capital letters, I Rihanna, what? I truly gasped. And I think I had heard that she was in this movie, like, when I was looking it up. But I mm. thought it was like, a, you know, I don't know, they call down to Earth or something, and there she is. You know, I didn't think she was, like, a yeah. character. Yeah, that was really fun. So good. Um, the first thief that stole my heart was, and you, you talked about this earlier, I really liked their reasoning for moving the alpha station you know like it's it's based yeah. on a on a faulty foundation uh that that the station got that big in the first place but once they establish that the station is really big i like that they are moving it away because it means that they are considering like gravitational and tidal influences so yes good on them great job um my next thief is okay the bit with the food offerings So all of the aliens are, like, in a line, and Cara Delevingne is the last one, and they're going up to this emperor, offering him, like, some weird jello full of bugs or something, and he takes a bite, and he's like, yuck. And then he has this little assistant or chef or something who's, like, you know, hoping to see that the emperor likes the food he made. And with each bite, he spits it out. He thinks it's disgusting. And every time you're like, did he like that one? And I have to say, in a very childlike way, where, like, kids, like, babies will laugh at, like, a pattern that you make... I thought that was funny. Every time I thought it was a little bit stupid and a little bit so funny that he kept spitting out the stupid jello. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, there there are some moments of comic relief. There have to be. Like the the um the scene that we didn't even talk about where Laureline has to find out where Valerian is, so she goes to get the jellyfish, but to do that she has to uh enlist the help of um, some like weird submarine guy, guy named Bob, and um, he looks like a character out of Treasure Island, yes, or like Treasure really Planet. Which one is I, it? I, I, well, Treasure Island is a book, but I think Treasure okay. Planet is the movie that okay. um, yeah. that you're talking about. That one, Treasure Planet. He has this like mustache, he has a weird eye. Like, yes, yes. Treasure first Planet. of all, they, they convince him, like the way that they summon him is by like 
presenting a bottle of like champagne or whatever. It's so funny. And then he, there's so he pops that bottle of champagne and so much explodes out that I was like, so you're much. not, you're gonna have nothing to drink. <laughs> oh yeah, so that was that was great. I loved the whole sequence where we got to see what life on Mule was like. I really that too. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that they just looked like the Navi. I don't like that they were so humanoid. Yeah. Um, but I thought that that whole sequence was gorgeous. The the world, like the landscape, was very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there was no English spoken in that scene. Yes. It was all the like the mule, the pearls' native language. There were some subtitles in yes, English, but, but not. not many everything yeah and I just thought that there was a lot of really cool world building in that scene and I thought it was presented in a really beautiful and artistic way and I wish that the world building in the rest of the movie had been presented in a similar way (laughs) yeah I really liked that too I think I had wished we met Valerian first and then Mm. saw that sequence because we came off of the opening sequence of how Alpha was built and then we immediately went into this mule sequence And I was like, wait, who's the main character? Who am I following? Mm -hmm. I needed, like, a slightly different order, but I completely agree. I was, like, really enthralled with, like, the world of Mule. I'm like, there's these pearls that they get, and they clink together, and she washes her face with them, and she's shiny. And, yeah. Yeah, I wanted a lot more of that. I wrote, yeah, I, um... I wrote yes in like big capital letters with lots of S's. <laughs> yes, face washing with pearls. That yes, cute laugh. lizard thing. Yeah, the little lizard guy. The little lizard. I I thought the lizards were very cute. Um, so yeah, everything about that loved. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I this is so stupid that I wrote this. <laughs> One of the thieves of my heart. It wasn't longer than it was. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't any longer than what they gave me. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> You're right. That is a blessing. <laughs> the The big market place where that Valerian so cool. has to go and get the, the converter back. Yeah, I thought it was really awesome because they... Um, and I think this is one of the few times that they did exposition well um it was it was very simply stated uh the big market is in another dimension Mm -hmm. um and so i thought i thought they did that exposition well and then the way that they executed the like different dimension of it all i thought was was really great so they have to put on these glasses to see the other dimension they have to wear special gloves to touch stuff in the other dimension um and like tourists are coming to this world all the time to to shop at this big market and so you you go and you're shopping in uh another dimension and in order to take stuff from there into our dimension it has to go through like a matter converter type of thing and i thought that was that was really awesome um there several times when you get an aerial view of the marketplace but in our dimension and it just looks like an empty desert and that like when they were shifting back and forth between those views I was impressed I did really like that too it felt like um a long time ago I did like a VR style escape room where you like wear the headset and like walk through what is actually an empty room but you feel like it is like a mountain or whatever because you're in the Mm. headset and it that's exactly what it felt like every time we cut to the desert it was like oh this is how stupid I looked when I was doing that like Star Wars escape room in the mall Mm -hmm. because I did do it in a mall (laughs) I um of course you did I was wondering though because um Valerian at some point 
goes down several levels in yes. the big market. Like he he falls through. It must have been like twenty floors. Moya, that's one of the, the things market. I wrote down too. I was like, how did that happen? But but then you zoom back out, and he's on the desert. He's just on the ground, like on yeah. the same level. How does that work? That was less know. well executed. Agree. Do you have any other thieves? My only other thief, I did like Cara Delevingne in this. Not oh, as okay. much as I love Rihanna, but I did think she did a good job. Mm-hmm. And I think I needed more stereotyping. Like, I needed more <laughs> of him being a bad person and her being, like, mm. the academic to, like, understand what was going on. But she was fun to watch. And I don't I don't think I've seen a movie with her before. Like, I think to oh, me, she's more of, like, an internet celebrity. Not in, like, an influencer way, but, like, mm-hmm. I only really experience her through, like, pop culture I'm taking in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you need to watch Carnival Row. She's oh, really good in that. Yeah. Um, also, she has this uh, like documentary series on Hulu about sex and sexuality. I have seen ads for mm-hmm. that, but I never watched it. It's it's one of the hottest things I've ever seen <laughs> because it's one of the hottest people talking about it sex. It really for is. Yeah. Episodes. <laughs> um, okay, I have a I have a couple more thieves. Yeah. The the first is that chase scene when Valerian is chasing after the pearls who have just kidnapped the commander and the the pearls ship that they're in splits up into like a thousand smaller <gasps> yes. pieces. That was great. That because is cool. um similar to my general peeve in science fiction of too many humanoid aliens, I think that spaceships typically look too similar yeah. to each other like from from different alien species and this one was an interesting shape and i at least have never seen that that before of like splitting up into a swarm and i i yeah that was that. very cool mm-hmm. and then um my last my last thief um thieves are those three little aardvark gargoyles oh, the, the little, little guys. guys and i don't remember what their species was called Me neither. but they they seem just like the gossips i love that alpha station so the first time we meet them um laureline is standing outside the door of the big human federation summit and these three little things they, they're like they come up to maybe her hips they have wings they have these long aardvark I think they have a tail noses too. yeah yeah and um the three there are three of them and they like offer her information um they give her some information for free but the rest she would have to pay for and then um she seeks them out when she has to find valerian and they help her get on the submarine with the weird like submarine captain guy yes. but they're just so i think they're another moment of of levity of like yes they laughter are. in this they're just so cute they they were really i loved how um they had no agenda beyond making money yes. like it was like i'll help the good guys i'll help the bad guys i don't care i'll just it, it'll be 50 bucks or whatever but not in a way that felt overly gross, like no. the guy in the big market. Yes, who, it didn't feel like him. Yeah. It didn't no, feel like him. No, it was him. just like, we're three little guys, and we need to make a living, and the only thing we know how to do is exchange information. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. Um, yeah, I liter- I wrote that they, they are my favorite species shown in that entire movie. Yeah, they were really Even fun. more than the pearls from Mule. Oh, Even more than the converters. The converters. Mm-hmm. The converters were cuter, but I think the the little aardvark gargoyles were more interesting. They were more fun for sure. Like they're, I could imagine an animated show that is a spinoff of these little guys. <laughs> yes, I would watch that. 
So now it is time for us to go through our rubric and decide how many planets out of 15 we want to give Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, we have used this rubric before. There are five categories, story, scenery, steaminess, scientific accuracy, and soothing. So let's start with story. Out of three planets, Corinne, how would you rate the, the story in this movie? Okay, I'm torn because I didn't enjoy the story, but there was a lot of it. So <laughs> more is not always better, Corinne. So true. Um, I think this is a one and a half to me. Oh, okay, great. I was totally expecting you to give it one, and I would have been okay with that. I wanted to be slightly more generous. I'm worried <laughs> I'm being a grump. <laughs> All right, let's give it. Let's give it one and a half. Um, yeah, I think that. It was definitely too long. They didn't need the two separate rescue missions where no. Laureline rescues Valerian and then he goes back and rescues her. We didn't need the bubble story. I'm no. glad we had it. I hate how it ended, but we didn't need it. It was not necessary. Um, so yeah, one and a half. Mm -hmm. On to scenery, which we define as a, a combination of writing and production of the movie. This I will one say it's hard. It's it's hard. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Like it's a it's a very nice looking movie. It is. And that's why I think it's so challenging because I think the writing was not on par with the production. Mm -mm. But I'm still willing to let the looks of everything carry this category yeah. and give it like a two. Yeah, I'm into that. I think it's also funny that it didn't look like it Avatar looks slightly more sophisticated than this movie <laughs> but not by like billions of dollars more sophisticated so mm -hmm. it was it was funny that like i think people can tolerate this level of production and we don't need to keep doing avatar level stuff no more than tolerate we can enjoy this yeah yeah we, we don't need you to spend billions of dollars and several decades yes. <laughs> making a movie okay All steaminess right. steaminess Karen Levine is extremely hot, and so is Rihanna. Yeah. So this is a three to me. <laughs> this is a three to me, too. Yeah, I agree 100%. As soon as I saw... Well... Knowing that Cara Delevingne was in it, I was like, finally, we'll have, we'll have a steamy... <laughs> we'll have a steamy movie. <laughs> because both of the other movies we have reviewed have had, like, zero <laughs> in steaminess. Um, so I was already sold, but then the Rihanna scene really... That it, threw me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So three. For sure. Scientific accuracy. Yeah, I don't know about this one. <laughs> um, between the 700 million miles and the completely humanoid aliens and the total lack of consideration of what, like, a, a truly intergalactic, like, civilization uh, hundreds of years in the future yep. would be like, it's getting at most a one from me but yeah. probably much less i would do 0.5 too high <laughs> so the way that i think about this is did i learn any new science from this uh, no no did people is it possible that people could learn actively wrong science from this and and i think the answer to the first is no and the answer to the second is yes which to me is like a sin a um, sin <laughs> right just write sin for that <laughs> sin sin without yeah okay it's a null okay, so it's getting a zero from me i'm sorry that might be too harsh but i 
feel strongly. No, I think if it had sold itself as like a Star Trek Star Wars thing, then it would be easier to to forgive. But it was mm-hmm. like half trying to be real. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you don't hire science consultants for your giant science fiction production, you're not going to get a good score. Exactly. You're mm-hmm. going to get a little points here. Um, and soothing. Soothing. I don't think I felt soothed by this movie. I didn't mm-hmm. feel more scared. Yeah. I did yeah. feel, like, a little anxious about how many adventures were going on. I was like, Fair. how are they going to do all this? But that's the story. That is yeah. not the, like, the space of it. Well, I don't know the summary, because, like, I, I think it, it's kind of like a neutral answer for me. It's mm. not like it was soothing or it wasn't. It was kind of like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually was kind of soothed. Okay. I really enjoy seeing representation of collaborative intergalactic or um yeah i guess it's interplanetary cooperation yeah i um, like, and, like that. The society yeah so like you know the fact that every like there are these different regions of alpha station and they seem to have their own specialized uh like things that they do like there there seems to be an agricultural part and there's like a tech development part and it seems like there's something for every type of alien to do on this world except mm-hmm. apparently for for glamopods um <laughs> but yeah i i am always soothed by peaceful-ish representations of that so yes. i would give it um like a one and a half yeah, I like that. I think I hadn't thought of the peaceful, the unity part is so early in this extremely long movie. <laughs> and to me, again, watching it over three days, that was days ago. So mm-hmm. I'm completely mm-hmm. forgetting that I really did enjoy that of like, how nice we're all collaborating. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, with a 1.5 in story, two in scenery, three in steaminess, our highest steamy score yeah, yet. Yeah, I might have saved this one. <laughs> Zero in scientific accuracy and 1.5 in soothing. That is a total of eight. Yeah. Eight out of 15 planets. Okay. Not as low as I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not terrible. Overall... Um, and Corinne, I would, I would love to hear your recommendation after this, but I, my official recommendation is if you have two and a half hours to kill and you want to see a pretty movie that honestly you don't really need to pay attention to because it doesn't make that much sense anyway, (laughs) I'd say go for it. I completely agree with you. And I think you could be like me and put an hour in and then dip out and you'll get an, you'll get a good enough taste of what this is. I'll be completely honest. Like my TV is in my living room. Um, I I went to the kitchen to like wash some dish- dishes. <laughs> I came back to the movie. Why, why I came back to the movie. Um, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Do what and we I didn't, do. Didn't really miss anything. You really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, no matter what planet you're from or on, I hope you remember that you are space. Sure are. (laughs) Bye. Hey, 
Pale Blue Pod was created by Moya McTeer and Corinne Caputo with help from the Multitude Productions team. Our theme music is by Evan Johnston and our cover art is by Shay McMullen. Our audio editing is handled by the incomparable Misha Stanton. Stay in touch with us and the universe by following at Pale Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram or check out our website, palebluepod.com. We're a member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like Pale Blue Pod, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. If you want to support Pale Blue Pod financially, join our community over at patreon.com slash palebluepod. For just about $1 per episode, you get a shout out on one of our shows and access to director's commentary for each episode. The very best way, though, to help Pale Blue Pod grow is to share it with your friends. So send this episode, this link, to one person who you think will like it, and we will appreciate you for forever. Thanks for listening to Pale Blue Pod. You'll hear us again next week. Bye. Bye.